Golden Ink Tattoo. You can find them at 3109 Airline Boulevard, Portsmouth, Virginia, for all your nerd-related tattoos. Leading the area, that is Miss Denise and her team. If you call over there and you mention leveling up banks, you get 10% off your tattoo. That number is going to be 757-465-1010. Call them today. Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to a brand new episode of Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks with me, your hero, Benjamin Banks. And joining me, as always, are Rebellious D and Trav. How you fellas doing today? Hey, we got the introduction because there's no guest right here. Yeah, man. Right now, uh, so, you know, you know the names were said. Yeah, uh, so. Uh, here we go. Here, look, I've been I've been doing a good job of hey, making sure that I uh, see y'all's no. Hey, you keep yeah. washing. You keep washing. Yeah. That's all. Keep washing. You keep washing. Yeah. We're going to do what we do. I don't know what you guys are talking about. You're talking about washing. Yeah, we're talking about washing right now, bro. Uh, so y'all need to wash some clothes right now? Nah. Need uh, to you gonna know. wash your mouth out with some it, soap. Yeah, it'll come hey, back to yeah, you. You can and wash your you, mouth out with something I'm, that I ain't going to say on hey, air. Hey, right you know, now. I told bro, you. I'm, you take it easy. I'm sending your mama them screenshots. I it easy. I'm sending your mama them screenshots. I really thought that you just said that you stayed taking headshots. That's what no. it sounded like you said. And if I did, so what? Hey, hey that's hey, whatever you do. Hey, whatever with, I do is whatever what I do. Exactly. Try this guy but I know it. this. Exactly. I know this. Mama Banks ain't gonna be happy when she's when she reads mm-hmm. what young Benjamin been saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna go over saying there. anything at yeah, all. And I'm gonna chime in and say, yep. And she know his mama knows me well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she does she doesn't know you because you don't have the skateboard anymore. So she, you're good. Oh, so. I got that in the trunk. Uh, yeah. Also the now it's, never tr- it's not it's not buried at Mount Trashmore anymore. No, the skateboard never <laughs> left. Take it easy. Hold on. I thought that was a slayer, but Oh, uh, uh, D, you told me that the skateboard was buried at Mount Trash. Nah, that was in the trunk. You stopped throwing that all over the air for people to go over there with shovels. No, so, hey, this, this, ain't, this ain't the same board, though. You think this no, man only got one? Same board. You think this man only got one? Come oh, on, thanks. Bro. Hey, nah. hey, look, that's a secret. What? Look, just because I said it's at Mount Trash, where, that don't mean that they know where it My, is. Michael's on his way up there right now. <laughs> Hey, he gonna he, hey, he gonna dive straight into the ground. He gonna, dude, he's looking for it like Clinton looking for that recipe. Hey, nah, nah. He's the gonna he's like a uh, Vision White. Like he just went straight in there and like he just I, see it. I love how you call him Vision White. Thank you. Well, try. I mean, the only reason why I said it is because I know that you like to nitpick about it, but well, everybody I mean, that's calls him White Vision. And I mean, like you're the be. only person that calls him Vision White. I guess that's your well, thing. Well, they shouldn't. I mean, I'm not the and, only person. People who yeah, I mean, like, and why does it offend you? The writers don't offend me. I, I'm not the only person that calls him that. The writers of the comics. Who else calls him that? The writers of the the writers of the comic. Yo, what's your source? What's your the source? damn comics. What's yeah. your source? These Come nuts. On. These nuts. Uh, okay. what, what we doing today, man? Why what are you say, why are you talking? Why are you talking about these? Hold nuts? on, Don't bro. Call. Hold on. I got your mom on speed dial right why, now. Why I'm about to talk- let her know. Why are you talking mm-hmm. about? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Nuts, though. Like, nah, see, look at this guy. He talking uh-uh. about digging See, up skeletons. And, and this is why we ain't ever going to be on the train. And it's this very right fitting. Now, y'all on the train. This right here. Y'all nope. on the train. Hey, hey. D's right in the middle. Question. Trav, you right at the end. Gaslight by leveling hey. up. You got, <laughs> you, got the, you got the Oscar worsties. They attached right to you. Hey, who else? Paul is on knows the... what's up. Paul said he was on the train. Hey, who and else? And you is... tried to tell him that he shouldn't be on we the train. We got to get everybody Bro, off that train. I'm trying to ask you a question. Go ahead, Trav. Who's on the train today? That's what I want to know. Who's on the train person today? person on the train today is one of our good friends. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. You know, our boy. He's a, he's a novelist. Mm-hmm. He's a talented one. He's won a bunch of awards. That's right. And that is Mr. Bradley Harper. 
That's right. And uh, let's go ahead and give. Uh, let's not skip back his retired military. Thank you for his service. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, let's go ahead and give him a call. But before we do that, here's a word from our sponsors. Have you ever gone to a store and you wanted to get some nerd decor to decorate your home, but you couldn't find it? Maybe a Dragon Ball Z photo on the wall or a My Hair Academia pot to put your flowers in. Well, I have some good news. This is Benjamin Banks from the Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks podcast. And I love to tell you about Nerdy Crafts by Tiny T. Tiny T, she specializes in creating nerd decor, paintings, floor arrangements, and seasonal nerd decor for the holiday season. You can check out all of her products on the links that we provide at the Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks page. And if you use the code Leveling Up, you will get 10% off. So go ahead and head over to her website and use that 10% off code and decorate your home with any type of nerd decor that you would love to put in there. You can find her on Etsy.com slash shop slash nerdy crafts by Tiny T. And again, like I said, make sure that you use that code leveling up so that way you can get 10% off of your items. Go ahead and start decorating that home. Peace. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, your hero, Benjamin Banks, and you are listening and watching a brand new episode of Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. And joining me, as always, are my co-hosts, Rebellious D and Trav. What's up? Hey, man, what's going on, brother? Good to see you. I'm more than certain you said washing and not watching, but... No, I I hope you didn't say... Uh, this guy uh, he messes up one word every intro uh, no i know i said i said watching uh, washing i said washing. it's like i think washington hey, everybody you're watching you new i think i think it's i think your hearing's off that's what i think it is and trav you have the ear so I i'm say, surprised i got the ear it's yeah, never I'm off surprised. baby it's never I'm surprised. <laughs> but hey joining us on today's episode is novelist bradley harper how you doing today brad I'm just doing great, Benjamin. Thanks, guys, for uh, for having me on. You and guys it, are a lot of fun. That voice sounds familiar. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> well, hold on, Trav. Hold what on, Trav. Because I was, I was talking with D about this earlier. And, you know, when I got the stuff in the mail, um, there was a letter from Santa. Because remember, we helped Santa save Christmas. For, oh, how could I all, forget? For, for everybody in the world, we helped Santa. Yes, and Santa... Did. He he had a letter inside of the package that he sent to me, and it said, "Do not open this letter until the day before today." That's and right. when I opened up the letter, it said, "Bring on Bradley Harper and interview him about his books and whatnot." And I'm just like, "Okay." So I opened up the letter, and now we're interviewing Brad. So Brad, I, I would assume that you're good friends with Santa Claus, and that's the reason why he put that letter inside of the bag. Oh, yeah. Santa and I go way back, way back. <laughs> I taught him how to make make hot cocoa. <laughs> it was the best damn hot cocoa. Yeah, it was the best yes. hot cocoa. Bro, we just washing right now. That's all we doing. We washing, all we baby. Do. <laughs> and we're good Probably to go. beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Do I don't get washing. like how you heard watch washing when I Bro, said. See, so you almost messed it up again. So I'm, that's no, I, I said watching. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we'll I know for sure. Hey, here, Trav, hey Trav, I, I know you're getting old, man. Maybe uh, your hair's sure. starting to get off, bro. No, sir. Look, Uh-oh. that's all. That's the only thing that I could think hey, of. You know, take it easy. He's got the ear, bro. The bro. Exactly. And D, how many times does he deny that he did something, and then you and I got to be like, wait, look at him. That's why he's sitting Y'all just like to piggyback off each other. He's sweating. Look at him. That ain't no smudge. That ain't no smudge. It's like y'all just like to come after me because it's like y'all don't like y'all position. 
positions on the Banks train, and I get we're it. Not on a train. We're not I, on I, a I get train. It. I get it. It, it, it. Look, it's there is it's no cool. train. It's cool. No train. You know, everybody doesn't love where they are on the Banks train, but everybody no, likes riding the Banks train. So no. y'all just need to just right. know y'all place, and y'all just the need figment to of your train. imagination. Exactly. You ain't gonna snow piercer me, big boy. Nah, hey, that's right. That's right. Guys, 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 we have we have a guest on, and it's like y'all are bickering like little kids. Like, just chill. Look, Bradley's family. Just chill. Hush, hush. I've seen it all. Brad, let's go ahead and get into it. This is what we do on every interview when we have a guest on. And I ask, what is your origin story? So let everybody that's watching and listening know what Bradley Harper's origin story is. Oh, wow. Gee whiz. You guys didn't give any preparation for this. Okay. We never do. We All right. Do. No. Um, I went to this little Baptist college in Arkansas because they offered me a swimming scholarship. And draft number was 84. So my choices were I swim in Arkansas or I wait in rice paddies, Vietnam. So I thought uh, it took me like two-tenths of a second to make that choice. Um <laughs> So anyway, I uh, one day my dad says, uh, son, you know, your scholarship only pays, you know, so much and I can't pay the rest. So you're going to have to join the Army. So I said, OK, thanks, Dad. So I um, I took an ROTC scholarship. I went in the Army after my uh, time in college and I was going to be a high school Spanish and history teacher. And one day I'm going sick call and the doctor that sees me is such a jerk. I was going to in Spanish, they say un, un, uh, un payaso, a clown. And so I go home, tell my wife, said, you know, if that guy can make the medical school, I think I can. So I did my <laughs> four years. I got GI Bill out of it. So I went back uh, three semesters, all the math, biology, and chemistry I could cram in my head. Got accepted to medical school at the military med school in uh, Bethesda, Maryland. Came in the Army as a doctor. Um, did 37 years altogether. Wow. And, wow. Uh, had a lot of fun. Yeah, 37 years, four months, and nine days. Said I couldn't find honest work, so I just stayed in the Army. <laughs> um, I love travel. I, you know, I got to command in Bosnia and Fort Lee and Puerto Rico and in Vicenza, Italy. Uh, I mean, wow. I had seven years in uh, Italy, mostly in Heidelberg and the time in Vicenza, I was in Turkey for a year and a half, Puerto Rico for 15 months, traveled all over central South America. At one point I was with, uh, I was the command surgeon for, uh, army South, which is the army part of of Southern Command, and the FARC had a $1.5 million bounty on my head, uh, alive, as a hostage. Whenever I tell anybody that, I want I always want to make sure before we part company, they understand that offer is no longer valid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Okay. I said, I was about to come up there and get it, man. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah, you can probably, you exactly, can probably pick you me up and carry me down man. to Columbia. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, so so anyway, I did my time. Uh, got out and uh, told my wife, I'm never working another day in my life. So we travel around a little bit. And after about 15 months, I said, you know, this has been a lot of fun, but I don't want to spend the rest of my life in a buffet line on some cruise ship. I, I got to do something. So I had written a fan letter to this writer named Mary Roach. She writes a lot of nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And she wrote me back and said, oh, thank you very much. Uh, and I mentioned uh, I was a retired pathologist, army pathologist. And she said, do you have any ideas for my next book? And so I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, I know a lot of people in the research community in the military. So one thing led to another. She wrote a book called um, called Grunt. And I, you know, took her around, introduced her to a lot of people, got her, you know, in the community. And so she wrote a really nice uh, acknowledgement, you know, saying what I had done for her. 
And I looked at how she took the information and made a book out of it. I said, you know, I could do that. So I had this idea for some time uh, about uh, involving Arthur Conan Doyle and the hunt for uh, for Jack the Ripper. But I never really thought, eh, you know, I'm, I'm not a writer. But I said, well, I saw her do it. I said, okay, it ain't easy, but she's a, she's a mere mortal. She's not, you know, a superhuman being. I said, well, maybe I, you know, what's the worst that could happen is my grammar would uh, would improve. So I started cranking this out. I worked on it for about two years, and it was still terrible, but it was better than the beginning. Yeah, and I found a guy who uh, coached writers, and he helped me get along further. And I queried seventy nine agents. They all turned me down. A couple wanted, you know, asked for partial manuscript and were encouraging, but finally said, no, it's, this isn't what I'm looking for. So I finally uh, went to a writer's conference and they had a couple agents there. And long story short, one of them uh, gave me a shot, made some suggestions. I listened to her. I made the changes. She liked it so much, she signed me on. So she puts the book out to bid and five publishers jump on it. They're all interested in the story. And um, one says, well, what's this second book? And so I I didn't have an idea. I kind of had an idea for a second book, maybe. I mean, hell, I just wrote one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So I said, well, I kind of have an idea. And so 45 minutes, I made up this. uh, Can I say bullshit? Yeah. Okay. Hey, you already said it. kind of bullshit (laughs) idea. You know, I says, well, I think this is what the book is going to be about. And so I sent them the the, the synopsis that I wrote in 45 minutes. The acquiring editor liked that as well. So he offered me a two book deal. And it was pretty sweet. I must admit for a guy who never published mm-hmm. anything before. So she, my agent, I liked it so much. She did what to call a, a, a preempt. It was supposed to be out for four weeks. We got this great deal in two and a half. And with my permission, we shut it off and we took the two, the two book deal. The first book uh, to my uh, surprise was a finalist for the Edgar award for best first novel by an American it won the Silver Falchion Award at Killer Nashville for Best uh, Mystery. Mm. And the second book that I just kind of on the fly thought up an idea uh, won uh, the Silver Falchion the next year for Best Suspense and Book of the Year. Hell yeah. Yeah. Congrats. So, you know, yeah, uh, nice. I love that's that. That's awesome, man. It's, yeah, it's, that's, it's that's always bad. a good feeling when you, when you start like your path in something that you want to do and you win an award for it because. I know when I got into professional wrestling, my first year in, I had won three awards. I had, it was, uh, it was one, it was two, it was two award shows for the, uh, you know, here in the area. And mm-hmm. I had won, uh, you know, best newcomer of the year and uh, best student of the year at the other place. And, you know, it was just awesome because it's like when you, when you step your foot into something that you want to do, you don't expect that you're going to win awards and stuff like that because you feel like that you may not be good enough or oh, yeah. that, or you may feel that it's just like, you're just okay. But when you get those mm-hmm. votes, like it's definitely like a good tap on the back because it's like, it's something that you don't expect. But I will say that, you know, when some people win awards and whatnot, it can kind of go to their heads and then they get the egos and whatnot. But Brad, you're a good person. And it's just like, right. you know, that's just, that's just how it is. Hey, it's sometimes like, you win. Be humble. Well, thank you. Right. Yeah. You're welcome. I yeah, think, too, uh, yeah, real quick, Mr. Brad, uh, sure. I think that another thing is to do it for the right reasons. Whenever you do it, like like you're passionate about what you wrote, well, at least the first novel. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and um, I think that's a big part of why you succeeded, man. Absolutely. Congrats. Kudos. Thank you. And, Thank yeah. you. And, and, of course, you're also talking to uh, award winner um, 
you know, I did win best group in Virginia for my old group back in the day. So, nice. you know, we got, yeah. I got that. I had that award on the, on the wall. Yeah. And uh, we're all award winners there. Give us yeah, all yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah. And I won uh leveling up's uh, best looking award. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> here I am. That was pretty, pretty tough competition too. It's yeah, a, yeah. It's pretty stiff in here. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, you know, um, people ask me, do I get nervous? And I said, you know, not really. Um, I dabble in philosophy and, uh, you know, in Buddhism, you know, they, they really talk about focus on the process and the outcome will take care of itself, you know? Mm -hmm. So all I do is, and like you said, I love telling a good story. Yep. And initially I was having trouble with the mechanics of writing a book. I said, I'm writing a book, I'm writing a book. And I was really struggling. And when I realized I'm not writing a book, I'm telling a story. Mm -hmm. I'm telling yeah. a book. But if I focus on the story and not the mechanics of, you know, the chapter length mm -hmm. or whatever, exactly, then that'll take care of itself over time, you know? Yep. And Exactly. So the first book uh, took me three years. The second book, I had the first draft done in six weeks. Nice. Wow. Nice. I really wrote it about six more times, but I mean, I had right, a good yeah, solid yeah, yeah. first draft yeah. in six nice. weeks. Nice. So I wanted to talk about A Knife in the Fog because... I love the story that's being told in it where you have author Conan Doyle and mm -hmm. he encounters Jack the Ripper. And I always feel like, now let me ask you this. Do you watch anime by any chance, Brad? Oh, yeah. So well, my daughters kind of made me do that when they were growing up. I'm not familiar with it. Have you ever heard of this anime called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. Thank well, God. In JoJo's Bizarre Adventure... And, and like, you know, I'm a JoJo nerd. I talk about it on almost every episode and review. Um, Jack the Ripper, he makes an appearance up there. And I always feel like it's very interesting where you see Jack the Ripper and like certain shows and certain mm -hmm. animes and, you know, how people deal with him. You know what I'm saying? So yep. I thought it was cool that, you know, you went with this route with your book, A Knife in the Fog, where it's like at first it's like I thought it was Sherlock Holmes, but this <clears throat> excuse me, but it's sure it's the author of Sherlock Holmes, Conan mm -hmm. Doyle, and he goes to London and he encounters Jack the Ripper. So like, what was the thought process of coming up with this story? Well, you know, I was, I'm a, I started reading Sherlock Holmes at the age of 13. Uh, I lived on the edge of town in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was always a real, you know, book nerd. I always, always had a book in my hand. So the summertime when school was out, I couldn't get to the school library. So there's a bookmobile that parked on yep. the edge of town. I remember those. The yeah, one day a week. So I get on my bicycle with the big wire basket in front, and I'd ride <laughs> the five miles to the bookmobile. Wow. And I could only check out four books a week. Mm -hmm. So one day I, I'm at the bookmobile, and there's this really thick book, and it's the entire canon of our, of, Sher of Sherlock Holmes. Wow. I said, well, that should last me more than a day. Well, it took me two weeks. I read the entire canon in you know one big gulp in two weeks, and I cried when I read the last story. Cause it, cause that was the last story. There weren't mm -hmm. any more. And mm -hmm. then 73, when I was in college, just about the time I graduated, Nicholas Meyer wrote the 7% uh, solution, which was a Sherlock Holmes story where he works with uh, Sigmund Freud to overcome his opium addiction. Mm -hmm. And again, just blew me away. And that's the first time I thought, wow, you know, somebody besides Conan Doyle can write a Sherlock Holmes story. Turned out a lot of people have, but I mean, that was the first one that I was aware of. Yeah. So anyway, after retired, one day I'm in Wikipedia, uh, which is uh, my, you know my uh, my uh, holy sacrament, and uh, <laughs> and I read that there was a four year gap between the first Holmes story 
studying Scarlet, wrote in, written in 1886, came out in 87. And the second story was a, uh, The Sign of Four in 1890. So there was a four-year gap between when he write, wrote it and three-year gap from publication to publication. And in the middle of that was, uh, was Jack the Ripper. And uh, anyway, when Doyle wrote the first story, he only got 25 pounds, which is less than he would get for a short story he wrote for boys' magazines. And they demanded he give up full copyright. And this is after wow. like six months of going to all these different publishers. All said, this stinks. This is ridiculous. We don't want it. And this one publisher only bought it because his wife said, oh, this is a good story. You should buy it. So just to make her happy, he gave Doyle an insultingly low price, hoping he would turn him down. But Doyle was tired of it by the time he just sold it for whatever the guy would, would pay him and said, well, that was a waste of time. I'll never write another crime story. And he turned to historical fiction. Mm -hmm. So I thought of uh, involving Doyle in the hunt for Jack the Ripper to explain why, based on his experiences, why Doyle would return to writing about the great detective and why the Ripper suddenly started and suddenly stopped without knowingly being caught. So that, mm. that was my whole concept for the story. And um, it just kind of grew and grew and grew. I thought, uh, the, you know, as you know, one of my major characters is Margaret Harkness. Mm -hmm. She was a real person. Mm. She was a suffragette and she was a social reformer. And she wrote about the working poor of London. And at one point during the, the Ripper murders, she was living in Whitechapel where the murders happened mm -hmm. because she wrote about the working poor and she wanted to live like her characters. So I thought I mean, I would involve her as a minor character to serve as Doyle's initial guide and to kind of show the status of women at the time because she primarily published in the name of John Law because she could barely give her books away with her own you yeah, know, her own name. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she published mostly under John Law. So I thought, I'll stick her in there. And something happened when I put her on the page. Uh, they talk about the characters taking over, but she has this voice. And finally, when it was all said and done, I looked at that. And the third character I have, major character, is Professor Joseph Bell, who was Doyle's professor of surgery when he was a medical student. And in fact, Bell was, a, was the inspiration for the character of Sherlock Holmes. And in real life, Bell was involved in some forensic investigations. Mm -hmm. So afterwards, it was all said and done, I realized I'd taken Bell, Doyle, and Margaret, and I'd given each of them one aspect of the human personality. Uh, Doyle is pure ego. Ego meaning, you know, the, it's like a five-year-old. You know, the life, at, the world has certain rules. The peas don't touch the carrots. You eat things in a certain way, mm -hmm. you know, and you, you know, that's just how the world works. Bell is super ego. Yeah, he understands there's a need for rules, but he can also stand back and see the larger picture. It says sometimes to fulfill a great, you know, a great cause, you've got to bend the rules a little bit. And then there's Margaret, who's pure id. She says what she thinks as soon as she, she thinks it. And with the kind of person we all admire, but we have to have two or three stiff drinks before we can, <laughs> you know, emulate her yeah. uh, convincingly. So I, I found that the three of them together, really I had something that was greater than some than the sum of its parts. And they call themselves the, the, the Three Musketeers. And in my second book, I have Margaret as the main character. Yep. Bell is in the early part of the story, and Doyle makes one appearance. And my harshest criticisms have been people who said, you know, I really miss the interplay of those three characters that were present in the first book. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I really kind of uh, I enjoyed writing their dialogue. Usually in dialogue, you have two people talking to each other. Right. I would have frequently had the three of them going back and forth and juggling those three dialogue so each person is meaningfully involved and there's some conflict and yet they're all working together for yeah. a larger purpose kind of like us yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so now, it, 
So it yeah. was good for me, and and the, the readers enjoyed that tension as well. So yeah. uh, the first book uh, did well. I get great reviews on the second also. Um, not as many, but I said it won that award, so that tells me that when people are forced to read the book, they actually like it. Yeah. yeah, so with that being said, because you said how you had people who, you know, love the dynamic of the three characters going back and forth, is there a possibility that we might see a third book? And if there is a third book, are you gonna are you gonna make it like uh, like how you want to do it and not uh, what's the word, Trav? When uh, you so give out. people what they want, fan service, fan service. There we go. Thank you, <laughs> thank well, you. Yeah, because it's because I, I feel like uh, like in certain animes, like uh, a popular one is uh, Dragon Ball Super. It's mm-hmm. just like that anime. Like we grew up watching it, so we loved it, but. It's so much fan service in it that it kind of takes away from what Dragon Ball was known for. So, you know, is there a possibility that there might be a third book? And would you go with putting fan service in that book? Well, I was working on a third book with them. And my, unfortunately, because the low sales of the second book, the first book did pretty well. The second book, although it's critically rated to be even better than the first, hasn't really caught on. I think just the subject matter. I have Margaret trying to stop an assassination of Queen Victoria right. during her diamond jubilee. There was a book that came out also in 1973 by a guy named Frederick Forsyth called The Day of the Jackal. And it's about a professional hitman who's hired to assassinate Charles de Gaulle. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of took that, put it in the Victorian era. But in my case, my uh, assassin or a my wannabe assassin is a pretty common guy who's being pressured by the anarchist to do something he wouldn't ordinarily do. And my, I wanted my reader to be sympathetic for the guy. Don't want him to succeed, but you kind of feel sympathetic, sympathetic because yeah. you know, he's basically a decent guy who wouldn't do this unless he felt it was, you know, he didn't have any choice. Right. So um, just didn't, just didn't catch my publisher dropped me. And so my agent said that other publishers will not pick up a series that's been dropped by someone else. So I was working on a third book in the series. Um, Arthur Conan Doyle had a cousin who was um, a member of the Knights of St. Patrick, which was an order of knights in Ireland. And he was the Ulster King of Arms. His job was to protect the Irish crown jewels in a tower in uh, Dublin Castle. The jewels were stolen under his watch. The jewels were never recovered. And at one point, Doyle offered to help to try to recover the jewels. As you may know, he was involved in a couple of real-life detective cases. Well, his offer was turned down. But, of course, in my story, he was going to – his offer would be uh, offered, you know, accepted. Mm-hmm. And Bill and uh, Margaret would join him. The major suspect in the case, and who I think probably had a hand in it, was a guy – he was a uh, – I forget his name now um, – Last name was Shackelford. He was the younger brother of Ernest Shackelford, who led the Antarctic expedition on the ship Endurance. And mm-hmm. uh, he was, but the younger brother was kind of a, a con. Later in life, he, he cheated a lot of his, he was a financial advisor and embezzled a lot of money from his, uh, his clients. And so he had access to the jewels because he was uh, made a, a herald of the Knights of St. Of Patrick. So he had access to them, and and he he's probably the guy that did it, but because he was involved with some illicit dealings with the brother-in-law of King Edward, it was probably never taken to court. In mm-hmm. fact, King Edward sent his personal representative from Scotland Yard over there to oversee the investigation. This inspector wrote 
a report to one copy went to the uh, the Royal Irish Constabulary in Dublin, the other to Scotland Yard. Two years afterwards, both copies removed the archives and never seen again. Man, I I love how much Man, knowledge wild. you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a couple of questions too, sure. uh, Bradley. Have you actually been? Have you been to Britain? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, when now, I, mm-hmm. yeah. Have you actually been to where the Jack the Ripper stuff and all that stuff originated? I, obviously, I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to assume anything because you no, know no, what no, they listen. say about assuming. I do indeed. Okay, on on the first question. Yeah. Um, I found a gentleman. Well, my my daughter is a librarian, so I asked her to give oh, me nice. some good resources uh, for the on the Ripper. And she got me this really one really good book. And not only talked about the Ripper murders, but the society of the time and mm-hmm. the impact the Ripper murders had. I make allusions. There was a lot of anti-Semitism, and that inflamed, uh, it, which was inflamed by the Ripper murders. The, the 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 journalist at the time made the. There was one man they suspected, and they stressed how Jewish looking or Hebrew looking mm-hmm. he he looked, and that there was concern there'd be riots in Whitechapel against the Jews who recently come over from Central Europe to escape persecution. Uh-huh. Interesting. So anyway, so I wrote this guy yep. back and forth a couple of times for questions. He does walking tours of Whitechapel. So I went nice. to London. I bought out his tour. So for four hours, it's just him and me walking through Whitechapel at night. And even now with electric light, I can tell you, those little narrow alleyways and courtyards yeah. are pretty spooky at nighttime when the oh, yeah. dim lights. Mm-hmm. So just imagine what it was like when they had gaslight there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When electricity first came to, to London, Queen Victoria insisted that Whitechapel be one of the first areas to be electrified because of the high uh, crime rate that they have right. there. Yep. Crazy and then, stuff. Yeah, you got to think about, too, the atmosphere of Britain, how it's always known for being kind of uh, damp all the yep. time, yep. rainy all the time, and then you get the fog. I mean, it's very interesting. Well, indeed, that's the reason why, you know, Phantom Blood, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, that was it was set in Britain. <sighs> You know, and mm-hmm. vampires and all that stuff. Like yeah. whenever I think of like you know Britain, I always think of like vampires, Jack the Ripper, yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Of course, Holmes. of course. And it's, it's, and like how you said, where it's just like the whole dark atmosphere that yeah, they have. There, you know, yep, especially in set. those times too. Um, I mean, because didn't you have uh, what was it? What was it? Batman something gaslight, gaslight by Gotham. And yeah, and like Gotham yeah, and by like, Gaslight. Yeah, right? yeah, and like Jack the Ripper was the killer in that as well. So. Right. It's like, you know, just just well, that whole aesthetic that, you you know, and the atmosphere and everything. Try. I was I about see. to say, Jack the Ripper, well, he kind of was the killer. But, you know, remember, they I thought, didn't want to spoil it. I mean, dude, again, that comic came out in the 80s. It doesn't matter, though. It does matter. It's 2020. It doesn't matter. <laughs> he says 2020. Hey, but, some, uh, some people, some, hey, look, well, I, just watched, I just watched Lost Boys last year, man. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see? But, but, sir, that's on you? That's it's a great movie. movie. It's on you. You heard, Brad. Because Trav, I've I've known you now since. Well, look at this guy. Te- technically, it's it on just... D because I've known D longer. I've known He's D rambling. longer than you. So D, it's like you should have introduced me to that movie. If first. I had known you, you were starving for movies. Look, I would have helped. I know. You. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's like we we used to work together. You yeah. know, we, well, one of my we, favorite we, lines in that yeah. movie. is, Death by stereo. Right. Death by that's stereo. a good movie. Yeah. It's a good I, I really want to cl- watch a cult classic. Yeah. I want to watch the sequels, but everybody's yeah, told know. me not to. I would. But you know, going back to Doyle for just yeah. a minute. Yes. Good. Sorry, we snowball up here. Times, you know, all the writers they knew each other. And in fact, Conan Doyle, Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula, 
and uh, Barry, who wrote Peter Pan, they were all the same football team at the same time. What? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's wild. Was the, it was the, uh, the goalie, and his professional football name was A.C. Smith. Arthur Yo, Clark. I thought you were about to say A.C. Slate. <laughs> no, but the three of them, they were on a soccer team uh, together. Uh, you know, a professional wow. soccer team. That I'm is an kidding. amazing story to hear. And, and Thank dude, you. I know, just like a random nugget of... Yeah, uh, man, that is uh-huh. one heck of a nugget. Wow. Well, you know how Doyle got back to writing Holmes, okay? So he wrote the story four years ago. Yeah. Disgusted. And so 1890, <clears throat> he and this Irish poet you may have heard of called Oscar Wilde, they're mm-hmm. both invited to dinner by this American magazine publisher named Stoddard. He had a magazine called the Lippincott Monthly. He invited them both to dinner at his hotel in London and offered them each a hundred pound check if they would write something for his magazine. Well, Dora returned to writing Sherlock Holmes and Oscar Wilde wrote the picture of Dorian Gray. Oh, wow. Nice. And if he hadn't had that dinner, right. Holmes would have stopped with one story and the picture of Dorian Gray would never have been written. Yeah, I actually wild. wanted to—I actually wanted to ask you too, Bradley, while we're talking about kind of uh, classics. Do, what do you know about like the stories of um, like Alex Quarter, uh, Alan Quartermain? Quartermain, and, yeah, yeah. Is he? Did he actually have books just about that character, like Alan Quartermain? And like, was he an adventurer? Or do you know anything about that? I do know that Doyle wrote uh, Professor Challenger. Mm-hmm. was an adventurer. Okay. And he also had this uh, French brigadier, Gerard. Yep. So he did write some other storylines that continue characters. I'm not fam- I've seen the movies, Quartermain. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know for a fact. I mean, you can prove me wrong. I do not know who the author was for the Quartermain. Well, yeah, I was just curious because I, um, I like, you know, I'm a horror movie guy. And uh-huh. I looked at stuff like The Blob and all those older books. And uh, I saw that they have books on Quartermain, like from uh, the, what is it? The uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, that's a great movie. I love yeah, it. It he, is. Apparently Underrated. I went to look because, you know, they have like the Invisible Man in the movie and yep. things like that. And apparently there's a book about him. I've never, you know, looked any further into it, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah, there's a Quartermain story about King Solomon's Mines. Okay. I read that a long time ago. Okay. When I was a lot younger than you are, which was a long time <laughs> ago. Uh, <laughs> So I do remember reading that as as a kid, you know, in my mm-hmm. my teenage years. But I do not, for the life of me, remember who the author was. Well, um, I can ask you this since you brought him up: the picture of Dorian Gray. Yeah. How? Where? Who? Who painted the picture? It's a painting of him, right? And if he sees it, he he'll crumble. Right. Right. Well, okay. The story that Oscar yeah. wrote. Um, I, I believe you know. I read again. I wrote, yeah. wrote read this a long time ago. Right. Yeah. If I remember correctly. He paints it himself and then mm. hides it away. Basically, he puts all his human frailty into the painting. Ah, okay. And so he it always him. looks, you know, pristine and pure. Mm. And all his faults, all his vices are transferred magically to this painting. Pretty nice. Sick. It's your boy Trav from Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, and we have a very special sponsor this week. Professional wrestler, motivational speaker, workout enthusiast, and a soldier to these here United States, Dewan O'Neill has released his very first book, Dear Dominic, which is an open letter to his son to provide a roadmap to life, paired with advice to navigate obstacles to thrive as a minority male in the United States. You can order your copy today on Amazon by searching up Dear Dominic. 
Hey, Trav, did you have another question about the first two books? Because I have one about uh, Gallery of Death. Yeah, yeah. So um, going back to A Knife in the Fog, just because uh, I, you know what? I love how like you take real stuff, but like play fiction with it. Yeah. And um, yeah. but you have to know a lot of obviously you do, you know, just from the explanations that you've been giving us, but you have to know a lot of details from back then, you know, mm-hmm. in order to paint these picture with actual people, but in a fictional fairy tale. Yeah, one of the nicest compliments I've gotten is that the atmosphere or London of 18. 18- 88 became like another character. Whitechapel was like another character in the story. Right. It's just spooky times. You know, you know what I mean? Like I, it always seems like it's foggy, you know, it's night. It is. Like Gotham City. You know, this is scary. This is scary because it's like, you're walking across like the brick walkways. And like, man, I remember one time I got lost in Williamsburg. And oh yeah, that oh, can be scary. Went, yo, right. and it was foggy, and yeah. I went down, and, and you the saw road, a coat? No, the road that I went down, <laughs> it was just a long road, but it was bricks on the yeah, road. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. Often, you, you, how, you know what else is like that, that bro? Yeah, because it might you might have been in a historical district. I was, yeah. but I didn't know. Yeah. And like uh-huh. you know, all the trees are dead. It's well, foggy. Yeah. It's cold, and I'm like, mm. bro, turn around like mm. now and get us yeah. out of here, bro. Uh, uh, Pongo was like that too. Like mm-hmm. the first time I had ever went out there because I got lost, and I was just like, man, I didn't know that there was a country part of Virginia Beach. Oh and yeah, like, I was getting scared because it was dark out there. Uh, D, I had Jamel with me. Me and Jamel, yep. we were out there. Oh, man. And Jamel was like, he was just like, yeah, man, I think you should turn around. I, I think <laughs> you don't want to keep going any further nope. down this road. Nope. If you don't see something, you might want to turn back. And uh, uh-huh. that's what I meant, too, about, like, being, like, Britain itself. It's very... And then you have to think about the times, how well, they communicated. Yeah, yeah, it's so like old. the table was set for him, Jack the Ripper himself, to do whatever he wanted, really. Yeah. And I mean, it was just the right time for him to do those. I mean, it was heinous, but yeah, you know, there was no way to catch him. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like Bradley was saying, all those back alleyways and stuff. It's creepy to Especially think. Especially if you man. know all the past. I mean, look I at mean, like, even now we have cell phones, and it's, it could still somebody could still get you. Yeah, like, yeah. like D, like <laughs> yeah. D, like look at like look at me and you for example, because we're mm-hmm. drivers. Yeah, and like look at all the back roads that we know and everything. Oh, like yeah. that. you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So like with Jack the Ripper. It's like he could he could be studying everything during the day. Yeah, I can go this way. I can go that way. Well, he didn't drive. No, no, no. I'm saying like he was there. You know what I mean? It's like he knows all the back cuts. Literally, that's what makes it even scarier. It's just walking. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And you have no way. It's just it's just interesting to think about it. You know, bringing him up, and uh, there was no way to ask for help or anything. You know, and then they said that he would go after um, what were they hookers? Yeah, or uh, yeah, prostitutes. But here's and um. Yeah. But here's the thing. This is why people continue to put Jack the Ripper in their stories. Like exactly. Any so- I don't think I've ever seen a supernatural show, and I don't mean supernatural the series. I yeah, just yeah, mean yeah. any show that deals with ghosts or vampires or anything mm-hmm. where Jack the Ripper does not make an appearance. Yeah. Or somebody similar. Like, or like they'll have the ghost of Jack the Ripper come back or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And it's like, and it's You'll because still accents. to this day. Because- Yep. You know, that's uh, similar to, I believe it was the Axeman on uh, American Horror Story, uh, Coven. 
I mean, I don't remember. Bro. I'm thinking. You don't remember that? Remember the act? Only like, remember... Axman I know is on History Channel. No, no, hey. no, no, no. <laughs> no, remember like he he was he was a murderer, but he was a he was a uh, he was a jazz musician, and then like after he would get after he would get done playing his saxophone. He would follow women and he would kill them. You don't like, bro. I thought Coven was one of your favorite seasons of American Horror Story. I don't think that was on Coven, bro. Yeah, it was on Coven with the witches. And remember, uh, I can't remember the main witch's name, but uh, what's this she, guy do with yeah. Jack the Ripper? Though? Yeah, Bradley. This is what he does. He ran. What's no, this guy no. Do with Jack I, the I, I, like it's like how don't you how don't you notice like you but, were watching American Horror Story before even, me? Like how don't I, you remember this so, stuff? How don't you is, remember this stuff, Trav? Come on. This has nothing to do with Jack do, the Ripper. Or, I do have a question for you. No, because the character the character is similar to Jack. Let's let him. This guy do. Okay, there we go. Bradley, we got we got we're catching a breath. Um, let me get this out. Is Watson in the original Sherlock Holmes? At what point does he plop up, or is he is he just somebody that Holmes knows in the original stuff, like a doctor of the ass, or in the very in the very first uh, Holmes story? Yeah, study in Scarlet, uh, Watson was wounded. He was a, an army surgeon. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, okay. Pakistan. He comes back to London, and uh, his disability pay is about to run out. He needs a cheap place to stay, and so this guy he knows says, "Oh, I know somebody looking for." a roommate, basically another, someone else he can share a flat with. So mm-hmm. he takes them down and finds Holmes is down there beating up corpses to uh-huh. see how long after death can you still create bruises. And Interesting. so introduction to, to Holmes <clears throat> and Holmes says, Oh, I see you re- recently returned from Afghanistan. You know, he can mm-hmm. tell, you know, by the, the guys, the, his, uh, his sunburned visage and, and stuff. And so they watch this kind of like, you know, who is this? guy you know it's not the best introduction but he's kind of hard up uh, he didn't have a whole lot of money mm-hmm. and uh and holmes offers to share the flat he looked at the flat well this doesn't look so bad and so that's nice. how they so it's in the very first story from the very beginning mm-hmm. we actually I like that from watson's point of view first and then he then he meets holmes nice right. that's interesting i always wondered and i mean since since we have you here you know you're fully versed in it so i figured out ask <laughs> yep Thank you. You're very, you're very welcome. Yeah, so I wanted to move along to Gallery of Death. And with okay. this one, you took four stories and you put them in this book. Uh, like, what were the inspiration for some of the stories? Because, I, like, I read the description for some of them. And, like, they're really interesting. Well, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Well, you know, after I decided I was going to start writing, and this is actually after I'd already sold the two books, I said, you know, maybe I should get some formal training in how to do this. Because uh, I think I might want to do some more, so I got an associate's degree in uh, creative writing uh, online through Full Sail University. Great professors. Uh, I was the only guy in my program who wanted to write novels. Everybody else wanted to write right. games. Or, no, that, or write. That, that's the school I went to too. After I left uh, TCC, I went down there and got my music degree. Yeah, great school. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, assignments I got in my courses, I had to write on different themes. And I noticed that, you know, maybe because I was a pathologist in the Army, but all of them had some relationship one, or the, one way or the other to, uh, to uh, death or the, you know, near death. And so I came up with the idea of Gallery of Death. We, in fact, we had to publish, self-publish one ebook as our final project to, to graduate. And I graduated uh, top of my class. We call it uh, Magna Cum Laude. I forget. Uh, that was right. Top of my class, uh, but that don't get too impressed. There were three of us. 
Well, <laughs> everybody else went on to get bachelor's degrees. I talked, stopped at the associates, but I am going on to get a master's, um, uh, an MFA through Seton Hill. And part of that is a, there's an optional one year abroad. So in September, I'll start a master's of arts and creative writing at Napier University in Edinburgh, Scotland. I'll be living in, in Scotland for one year. And uh, right away. In fact, my wife, I call it, say my wife's new video game is looking at apartments for, for let in Edinburgh. And she found a house for sale that in 1882 had a young medical student who lived in it named Arthur Conan Doyle. Wow. That's wild. Wow. Out of my price range, but it was still pretty cool. If it was for rent, I would have definitely found the ducats to make that happen. Wow. The ducats. The ducats. <laughs> you heard them, man. <laughs> you heard them. Nah, man, that, you'll definitely have to uh, come on and uh, – Zoom with us again from uh, from Scotland. Nah, yeah. All right, that would be amazing, yeah. guys. Thanks. <laughs> I thought D, I thought you were gonna follow it up. Oh, with bro, I got a hey, hey. This is my neck of the woods. I mean, it's just it's just fun having a novelist who's well versed in you know Sherlock Holmes and and Jack the Ripper. Isn't this fun? I mean, thank you. I could ramble off questions. I mean, yeah. you know. There's something called the the halo effect, you know, and you mentioned what I try to do is stay as close to the actual events and people as possible. Mm -hmm. So someone who reads it, who knows the history, say, well, it could have happened like this. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but the halo effect is if I tell you three or four things that are absolutely true, and I tell you a fifth thing that's sort of true and sort of not, you know, my little plane with, with the truth, you're going to tend to believe it because – up until now, I've been telling you just as it was. So right. yeah. that halo effect. But one of the interesting things I found when I was doing the research was that um, I was watching a TV program called Murder Maps. And it talked about other crimes that happened around the time of Jack the Ripper. And it mentioned that during in the 1890 census of London uh, or of England, if you lived in a small country village outside of London, the population density was about 25 people. Per acre. Mm -hmm. If you lived in the West End of London, where the rich where the rich people lived, it was fifty people per acre. If you lived in Whitechapel, the population density was like eight hundred and fifty people per acre. Wow! Wow! So it's like a giant anthill. Right. Yep. And for the Ripper to be able to walk along those courtyards and alleyways and kill people at random, you know, at will without being caught, that just that to me it just heightened the supernatural yeah ill factor that of how he could monk, walk through this teeming humanity and take lives at, brutally at random yeah, it's just it's crazy i mean just talking about him as a as a real person and stuff to me the more I, you know now that we're actually talking about it it seems to me like he had to be like a butcher or something. He had to have had something that would make you travel around the city over and over and over again. You know, yeah. I don't feel like he was somebody, he was a stationary job. Mm -hmm. It's just um, like, uh, like Sweeney Todd, for example, you know, mm -hmm. the story, like he was in one place and he was just picking people off. Right. But it was like, uh, Jack Ripper had to have had been, he could have been a paper boy. Who knows? Right. Here's the crazy I mean, Here's the crazy yeah. thing, though. No, no, we're never gonna know. So yeah, you I could know. just you could just ramble off. You know, he could have done this. He could have done this. Yeah, it's just fun to think about, dude. It's crazy know? to think about. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, Bradley, I just I just like this where where this is right now. Uh, how around how many murders did he commit? Did they or did they? Was there a number? We know for sure that there were five. 
Okay. Uh, they're called the canonical victims. Everyone agrees the same technique. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was a sixth person. Yeah. Her name was uh, Martha Tabram, and she was <clears throat> murdered about three weeks before the first one that everyone agrees on. Yeah. And I think the Ripper killed her before he really had refined his his technique. That's yeah. wild. He stabbed multiple times, and her throat was uh, was slit. But I think he just, it was a like a frenzy. And I and I think he kind of lost his nerve at one point, and mm. so. But everyone agrees the, the about the about the five, and, yeah. I, and it's my it's my theory that Martha was the was like his first case, uh, yeah. And he was learning, but uh, that's just conjecture on my part. Mm. Yeah. Well, now, what, yeah. Go ahead. I, go ahead I, was gonna, I was gonna say, what, what is your theories on why it stopped? Well, um, there are th- theories moved on to. Other countries, there were right. similar killings in Germany and in the United States. Uh, mm. Some think he was a, a, a sailor. Yeah. So he mm-hmm. killed when his ship was in port and then would go away and then come back. Some think that uh, there's Man, one. That's suspect. a good thought. Yeah. There was one suspect that people quote who was a, a Polish artist who was uh, consigned to an insane asylum for the rest of his life. And some people think, and the murder stopped after that. There were no for after his uh, his confinement. Mm-hmm. Some people think and they were very grotesque, and mm. um, so that's another possibility. But uh, as a, when people ask me who was the who I think the Ripper was or why they stopped, my answer is mystery sells books. Yeah, right. that's true. That's a damn good like pe- People want to know because yeah, I mean, before we even had this conversation, like it's like I know who Jack the Ripper is, but you know, I'm just finding out like that he never. Like nobody knows who he really no. was. Nope. You know, it's it's, right. it's always been a mystery. Because isn't it the same thing for the Zodiac killer? I was gonna say, I'm yeah. Per- yeah, it's like that for the Zodiac killer too. So who who are some other killers that um are like, like nobody knew who they were besides Jack the Ripper and the Zodiac killer? Does anybody know? Well, the Zodiac killer, Jack the Ripper. Um, what's the name of that one uh, movie that's based on a shooting? The Town That Dread Sundown. That's another person. They didn't find him either. I don't think they caught him. Um, where, what was it? Uh, I think it was like in the course of like a week or a weekend, mm-hmm. guy was killing people. And they, I don't think they caught him either. Yeah, they, it, they had speculations around people in the town who they thought was doing it, obviously, but they never caught that person either. Well, this brings me to my next question then, Bradley. Um, is, it, is it the mystery? Is it like killer mysteries that you're really into? Or is Jack the Ripper just kind of your thing only because uh, you grew up reading Sherlock and the time error and like that particular time error and location so happens to be of interest to you? Okay, I am a novelist. Right. I tell lies, but I use my lies to reveal truths. Hmm. And my focus in the story, I wanted to be very careful not to make the, the Ripper to be any way, shape, or form to uh, to, 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 uh, to titillate. He did yeah. terrible things, and I introduced the reader to one of his victims before she's killed so that her death really has meaning when mm-hmm. it happens. Uh, I didn't want his victims to be props to yeah. make this guy famous. Uh, my, you know, every, every story, every good story, there's the superficial story I, I tell about how Doyle and Belle and Margaret, you know, deal with uh, the 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 challenges of determining who Jack the Ripper is and bringing him to some form of, of justice. Mm-hmm. There was a 
of course, the subtext is that Doyle came, he was a middle-class guy. He came from, he came from a poor family, in fact, but then worked his way up to be respectable middle class. And he had never had any dealing with the, the poor of Whitechapel, you know, that social class. And I think, the, you know, people, they say there's no saint like an old sinner. So people who've risen up from poverty oftentimes shun people from that class. The fear that, right. you know, I could, I could become like them again. I was like them once. I would be like them again. I wanted to use this experience to let him grow to have sympathy for the working poor, even for the prostitutes. These are women who were doing the best they could to try to make it through life. And in fact, after one is killed, uh, her body's being removed. And one of the things I learned on my walking tour with, uh, with this Ripper's uh, expert was that when Mary Kelly, she was the fifth victim that we all agree on, mm-hmm. as her body was, uh, was discovered, the Lord Mayor of London was being installed about a mile, mile and a half away at the most. And news of the crowd spread that another Ripper victim had been found. So thousands of people in their Sunday best left this, uh, this ceremony to go and stand there and witness this poor woman being brought out of this apartment in a simple wooden box. You know, some sort of gory entertainment, I guess. You know, sort of like mm. people who drive by, you know, accidents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? right. And look. You know, so uh, I had Bell, who's the least emotional, uh, do kind of a, a eulogy for uh, for Mary because they'd met and he was very impressed with her spirit. And he recites the poem Invictus. And while he's doing that, I contrast all these people standing there silent in this courtyard as the bodies coming out with the ceremony about a mile and a quarter away of the Lord Mayor and his ermine-lined robes and his chain of office being installed, all the, the pomp and circumstance, and there's total silence in the courtyard. Yeah. That's Again, how, that it, stuff's wild. I mean, it's just fun to talk. I mean, you know, you're knowledgeable, and it's just, you're like, I mean, it's, it's just fun for you to let us uh, pick your brain, man. And it's Exactly. Crazy. And if, if, the, if anybody listening or watching right now doesn't, want to order this book <laughs> yeah, man. immediately this man. just just based off of the lore the around what yeah you know yeah. what i mean not even necessarily yeah, the book itself that we really haven't talked too much about yeah. it's really mostly and been the lore and the atmosphere that the book yeah exactly because you don't want to give too much away yeah but the thing is that's that's the thing banks uh, not giving enough uh not giving anything away but if you think about the story and Bradley using Jack the Ripper as his main antagonist, I'll say. Um, it's fun because the it was never solved. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? You can it's it's probably the most well-known unsolved mystery. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's yeah, just yeah. it's very fun. Yeah, at least fact, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I make I make mention that at one point because the telegraph was still a fairly recent invention. Right. And as far mm-hmm. as I know, the, the Ripper murders were their very first crimes that were followed real time around the world right mm. you have this small neighborhood yeah, in i London, never knew that and people all around the world are reading the most recent reports of the victims and police yep. investigation everything going on and so uh i have doyle mentioned in the story he goes to Amer- america sometime later which he did at least three times i know of mm-hmm. and how surprised he was at how much the americans knew about the ripper murders right yeah. you yep. know it's a little local thing here but it was followed real time everywhere you know, and that's wow. pretty interesting when you think about it, because imagine being in America at that time period 
and hearing these stories of what's going on in Britain and wondering if, you know, something similar could happen here, you know, mm-hmm. because of course yeah. people, it's like, you know, they start getting paranoid and whatnot. It's just like, uh, you know, cause uh, like when you're a kid, right. You, you joke around and you make up these, uh, like these silly games, like, uh, what's the mayor, uh, bloody Mary and stuff like right, that. So right. it's like only imagine at that time period where people are just like, if something, if somebody gets killed or somebody goes missing, uh, it's Jack the Ripper here now. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it was the thing, it was the hot thing at the time. So right. it's it's really interesting that you say that all over the world. Yeah. Like everybody knew about Jack the Ripper and it does, it does raise fear, yeah. you know, and it does scare people. And it and goes again, like he was never caught. Yeah. It goes back to bad news travels fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the what I, you know, bad news sales. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just, well, I will say that if Jack the Ripper was a thing in today's world, he would have been got caught. That's, that, that's right. what I'm saying. It was a perfect. I don't think that's true. Though. Nah, he would have got. He, hey, there's look, plenty well, the of people that. Hey, there's plenty of uh, people that get away with murder all the time. Hey, well, look, they would have. They would have hopped on Twitter. They would have been like, "Hey, <laughs> this is a picture of his hat." They would have found him like that. Nah, it's just. Um, I think, like I said, it was just the the table was set for him. There was not a lot of resource in the world, you know. Why not? I guess. I agree. And you know, he was murdering prostitutes. Yep. So he's gonna go up and offer, you know, to be a customer. They're gonna know the quiet, dark alleyways. And mm-hmm. sometimes they even yeah, when it was raining, they'd they'd have sex under the stairwells in, in apartment buildings. So they know where they can go with the with a client, right. make some noise, and no one is going to complain or even yeah. so it's yep. like we're taking their the killer perfect spot. Yeah. The perfect spot to be executed. Yeah. Yep. And and another Crazy. thing with that is like even if like somebody was just walking by or something, they they already know what's going down. And so it's just like yep. they're not even paying attention to <laughs> what's going on. You well, know? you you know, no, and that so goes back to it. You're more likely to mind your business back then because yeah. if that is like a politic, for example, or whatnot, you you know. He might look at you as a threat because you saw what he was doing. Yeah. And, you know, it's just that's how the world works. You know, corruption is corruption. So, mm-hmm. And he just basically feasted on it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Now, Bradley, I wanted to talk with you about your short comic that you had come oh, out. Yeah, I definitely Thursday. want to bring that up to you. Damn, right. And like, you know, because we're a nerd podcast, it's, it's awesome that one of your stories was turned into a comic you know, from writing novels to having this happen. And I don't want to give too much away about this, but how did it feel to, you know, do something like this? Oh, it was a, it was a real, now just to, just so you know, I funded this myself. This is a vanity project from beginning to end, mm. but wow. um, I, you know, I went to full sale and a guy who's also a graduate, Wes Locker, he primarily writes for games, <clears throat> but I found out that he does also uh on the side helps produce comic books. So I thought, you know, it would be a lot of fun to take this comic, <clears throat> uh, this poem and put it back in the Gothic era. Um, it's an erotic vampire story. Uh, it's set to rhyme. And uh, so he knew a guy uh, with a, from Romania, who's a fantastic uh, illustrator. And so he sent me some test panels and I loved them. So yeah. I said, well, let, let's do this. So Wes did all the lettering and this other guy did the illustrations. I paid someone else to do the coloring for the, for the front. And then I used Kablam comics yep. and they printed me out a hundred of them and I could go back and order more anytime I want. 
And it's something I figured this will help me to get into uh, uh, comic cons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, go in and sell it for a couple bucks. And it's, oh, by the way, I've got these novels, you know. But yep. if I just came in with you just market yourself. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a marketing thing. And um, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And you guys are nerds, so I thought you might enjoy it. I loved it. Did I ever? Yeah, yeah it was a, it was a good story. Like it's definitely because uh, like I, I don't want to give too much away, but like when you read it and when you see what happens, you're just like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's it's well, and for and for it to be a short story too, like I feel like you know you you get your money's worth when you read this thing, and as I honestly, I would love to have a sequel to it. I don't know how do you guys how did you guys feel about come it? Come on, come on. Well, so, and again, this has nothing to do with me liking it or not liking it. I don't want to see a sequel. What I want to see is more stuff like this, though. Because even though Banks is calling it a short story, mm-hmm. I don't look at it as a short story. It's a it's poem. Gotta, it's a yeah. poem to me. And I've never seen a comic poem ever in my entire life. Really? So when... And again, it's coincidentally, we were just talking about black and white comics really don't exist yep. over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were just, well, and we wouldn't have we wouldn't have said that if he had given us the damn comics. I was about to say <laughs> now, now unfortunately, Banks took three months to give us the damn comic, but coincidentally, we just did a podcast with another graphic novelist. Yep. And we were taught we got on the subject of black and white comics just don't exist over here because maybe just the market's not in it or whatever the case may be it's an american mm-hmm. thing for for real because in america everything well, no, that's in, what we're talking about over here in the west yeah, yeah. Every, yeah. everything's always in color over here whereas yep. in japan it's, it's black and white but in japan they always do uh like those special well not special but like yeah yeah they some, got the special editions where well no not, not special editions where it's like you know like sometimes they'll release a chapter and it's yeah. like the first three the first pages, two pages or whatever. Yeah. Well, the, the final, right. the final um, volume of uh, Basculus is like that. Right. With, um, it's like every so many pages, it'll be like um, a random color. color. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. actually more like artwork of the characters, you know, even yeah. the ones that had died up until then, because, you know, there's not a lot of people. Spoiler alert. There's not right. a lot of characters left. Is that well, Bradley, just to bring you into Basculus real quick. It's essentially um, Starcross Lovers. It's based on Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm. but it's two ninja clans right. that are basically at war. The Terrific. two the two that are supposed to take over the clans fall in love. And you know, you know, Romeo and Juliet, you know and, how it goes. And when, when uh, well, D, D put me mm-hmm. onto that anime, I've never read the manga, but D mm-hmm. put me onto the anime and I absolutely binged it and fell in love. Because again, I love Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I love anime. And I love the twist on this. I love samurais and ninjas. Yeah, I just love the yeah. way they integrated that. It man. was so cool. Yeah. But well, I, I deliberately chose black and white because... You know, it's vampires. It's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, I love it. I just thought it's it's it set the right tone for the oh, story. Great choice. Oh, yeah. And that's why, um, you know, we didn't get this, you know, recording wise. But after I read it, I immediately grabbed my Edgar Allan Poe book. And I was like, I'm telling you, this guy's an Edgar Allan Poe because it had Edgar Allan Poe vibes all over it. It was such a Poe poem. That's, if you will, and I absolutely really love the comic. I read it twice. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when I was reading it, um, just to have it have those kind of the horror aspect to the story, it reminded me of uh, Tales from the Crypt used to have comic books back yeah, in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. And it was just, yeah, and it, it was just, it. that's where it just took my mind. I was like, this is so cool to be reading something that's not action-based. And we got to say, you know, it's just, it's a very good uh, gear shift for me to, yeah. to be reading something at a different speed and pace from the typical, I guess. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's quite a comment. Yeah, you know, I like British movies because British movies don't have a very big budget. Right. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. have to have a really good story. They can't hide it. They can't hide a weak story with a lot of special effects and, and mm. color changes. They have to tell a good story. And so I, I really like them. They're lean and they're, you know, they're just very, very thoughtful. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So thanks. I do. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a, a, B- do you have a BBC subscription? I do. Yeah. Nice. So now I wanted to move along to your next project that you're working on, the Yo-Yo Man. <laughs> and I remember when you had put the post up on Facebook and we were talking about it. And I was just like, yo, I would love to check it out. So that way we could talk about it on this episode. And coincidentally, we just talked about time travel, too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we just talked yep. about time travel, too. So, uh, you know, without giving too much away, uh, you know, what was the thought process going into this story? Well, you know, I actually had this idea for this story 30 years ago. And on a whim, I wrote it down. I sent it to Analog, and it was absolutely terrible because I had no experience uh, writing. I've uh, My mother remarried to a guy who's a physicist, and now my son-in-law is a physicist. So although, you know, I, I got through one semester of chemistry with an A and ran away as fast as I could before I had to take a second semester. Uh <laughs> You know, I, I did take some physics as I was taking pre-med. <clears throat> so I, the theoretical physics and quantum, quantum mechanics interests me. I don't pretend to be an expert on it, but just, the, you know, how it works. And so I thought one day, I said, you know, um, t- uh, time, we talk about time, we talk about, you know, space. And uh, who says that space and time are interrelated? I mean, all the, you know, like H.G. Uh, Wells, the time machine. When he flips the switch, he stays exactly the same spot on the earth and, you know, reappears all this time later. I yeah. said, where, where is that written? You know, mm-hmm. so I kind of took that idea and played with it and came up with a story that since I write detective stories anyway, I made it into a, a PI right. yeah. who was a, fa- a failed physicist yeah. who, who had enough grasp of the concepts that he could work out what happened at this, uh, this guy's death uh, so that he could get his, his client cleared. And uh, that's that's how it happened. Man, I loved it. Yeah, well, I, I'll I say, it. man, like I enjoyed the story, especially uh, you know when it got towards the end. And I was telling, I believe it was either, yeah, it was Trav. I was telling them that when I was reading this story, because I we we talk on social media and whatnot, Brad. It's just like it felt like you were the character in the story. Now, Trav, <laughs> did you feel that way when you was reading it? No, not necessarily. B. <laughs> I got he's like I mean I, I got I could see where you're coming from it just depends on um the type of writer you know it just yeah. depends on the author if you it I was mean, oh sorry it was you I was talking to you about this D I'm sorry Trav yeah I knew you had spoke to me but maybe you spoke to Trav I mean you're not you know no, we're not exclusive you know yeah <laughs> well because I had this story bouncing around my head for 30 years I can tell you I wrote the whole thing it's 4,900 words I wrote it in four hours Wow. Uh, holy cow. I, I, I tweaked it like three times and right. I said, that's it. I sub- submitted it and we'll see what happens. But nice. it was fun to write. 
Oh yeah, it's fun to read. No, it was, yeah. Thank you for you know allowing us to even read it. You know yeah. before it yep. becomes privy to the public. I I love how just intelligent you are, man. It's like he's knowledgeable, bro. Yeah, that's why I was like, when am I? Who who else? Who the hell else am I going to talk to who knows more about Jack the Ripper? You know <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying? True. Like this is why you, you got it. I mean, you, you, do, you got Michael, but <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> yikes. Michael. Michael. Oh yeah, Brad. Brad yeah, 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 Brad Brad knows who Michael is. Yeah, he knows who Michael is. I'm not Michael. Mm. <laughs> hey, he thought Michael was you though. Yeah. Oh, Thanks. easy now. No, 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 he, no. What are you? What are you talking about, Trav? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, I don't. What are you Here talking he is, about, Trav? It'll have to be a conversation with Brad off air. I, yeah. I, I don't want to I mean, include the listeners in on that. Yeah, because it's like, you know, he's this sleep is like, over there, Trav. Yeah, I don't know I what mean, he's cause doing. This, I don't no, know what I'm he's saying because you're saying that it's been like that since the first sentence when he messed up. No, 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 no. Because so. you because just say like, why? Why would you say that Brad knows who Michael Where, is? Where's your comic at? It's in the room. Where, where's your comic at? It's in the room. Hey, exactly. I can get hey, my I'm in my podcast room. My comic. I'm in my podcast room. My comic is in my bedroom. I keep all my comics in my bedroom. Uh huh. Oh, well. Brad, since we're um, we basically covered all our bases with your writings. I just wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts on Dick Tracy and things like that? Well, you're it, you're a lot older than us, so I can. Dark, yeah. Oh, dark thanks. Dang, <laughs> like, like he just had to put it out there like that. <laughs> what? I, you know, I used to. I was a faithful reader, follower of uh, Dick Tracy as a mm-hmm. kid. You know. I remember that uh, magic watch he had where he could talk. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, he got cell phones, you know. Well, well before like, the Power Rangers. Oh, yeah. Oh, he beat him there. If you ever saw the movie with Warren Beatty, <clears throat> you look at this color scheme. Mm-hmm. The uh, cinematographer directly, I mean, deliberately chose colors to look like it just come right, you stepped right off off the pages of, of the, of the uh, comic strip, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, Sunday funnies. You know, they mm-hmm. had those Funny. bright yellows and greens and blues. Just like what you see in the in the you know in the illustrated uh, comic strips, and I just I didn't catch it at the time, but later on, I thought, oh wow, that is that is so cool. Yeah, yeah, I was just curious. Um, did anybody else have question? Thanks. Uh, go to Trav and come back to me. Yeah, I mean, okay. honestly, hey. I, don't, I don't even have a question at this point. I feel like we've covered it all. Yeah. Um, I can't really. Yeah. I don't I was have trying to think of any more cool. questions about the books. Yeah, I, I mean, got I so just... many questions about life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's just not enough time. And the, we'll have to do some exclusive. Now, well, you know what? Yeah. I, okay, I got a question. Because, yep, go Brad, I saw this photo on, I can't I can't remember if it was Instagram or your Facebook, but it was a Star Trek photo. So, you know, because we are a nerd podcast, like, what are some of your favorite things in nerd culture? Oh, uh, yeah, I was a, a, a Trekkie when it came out the very first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I cried when they discontinued that that series. Mm. And, you know, when it came back, I was just overjoyed. And when the, the next generation came out, I was initially very cynical. I said, oh, no, no that's that's not my Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But I, I fell in love with the characters. Talking about next generations? Yeah, yeah the next yeah. gen. Yeah. I love next generations. But see that, like, I remember there, it was split in the middle with fans. Like, there were some people who, yeah. who, who, like, well, I, I mean, it's just, it's just like us with Star Wars. 
Not yeah. to me. Yeah. I've never uh, been. A, I've never been a Star Wars. I think Wars I like hater. them all. Exactly. You know? I like. I I'm go not back one of those old. I'm not movies, one of those man. shriveled up old Star Wars fans who just be hating the hate, dude. But that's yeah. what. But that, that's what I'm saying. It's like there, there are some people who only like the original trilogy. Like they don't like anything. Don't R. Kelly me. Don't R. Kelly me. Yeah, okay. I mean, all they did was make Sky. it look better. That's all they really did. I don't see a reason to hate those movies getting better. But no, yeah. because you grew up with the original, but we grew up with the next generation. Yeah, right. exactly. You know, and Picard. And Picard's that it was just, guy. It was just something about yeah. him being bald, man. Dude, I... Come on. I no, don't know. for real. But, no, no, for real. That's what I mean. It's like Patrick Stewart is the man. Yeah. Who do you think he's ever yeah, just, been? Hey, just call him Wills. Uh, Will, exactly. When he was in the X-Men. Uh-huh, yeah. Wills. Wills. The, yeah. the, only, the only thing about the next generation is... They're always pulling their their shirts down. You'd think uh, by that time they'd figure out a uniform that worked for them. No. I never hey. even noticed that. Oh yeah, yeah. They're hey, always dressed in shirt. It's 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 kind of like uh when the Fresh Prince of Bel Air anniversary had came out, and when Will Smith he revealed that he was reading like he was repeating the lines back to his co-stars when they were talking when they were saying that same line, but it's just like you never noticed it until like he actually said something about it. So. Yeah, that's something I've never even noticed. And I loved the next generation when I was growing up. Yeah. Of course, for the original Star Trek, you'd think they would have had, had invented seatbelts by then, too, right. you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, did anybody else have any other questions? <sighs> no, nah, man. Just, hey, I, just, I could do, this, I could yeah, do my, this all day. My question well, is, right, when, when can we have you back? <laughs> yeah, there you go, Trey. That's the most important question. When can oh, we have that's, you back? Well, anytime before the end of August. After that, I'm going to be in Scotland. And we could try to do something then, but you know, it'd have to be on a weekend because I'd probably have classes during the week. And it's, okay. a, it's well, by, a hour difference. By then, I'm sure we'll all be vaccinated and we can get together and we can throw a little uh, Van Wilder, you know, college party. Yeah, right where are you going to be at? <laughs> right you mean there. old school. Okay. Can we all have pipes? We'll bring too? the kegs over the. Hey, can can we all have pipes? I pipes. love You can. Oh, oh, the dude, Trav, come, hey, are you hey, tired, on. man? No, because you know what it is? I'll bring the fine Irish whiskey. Right. Mm. Bradley right. knows what I'm talking about right yeah. now. I do, I do. I'll bring the fine Irish whiskey. <laughs> and uh, Trev, so you would know why whiskey was invented then? No. So the Irish wouldn't take over the world. Oh. Oh. Hey. <laughs> hey, and with that being hey, said, that, yeah. Yeah, Bradley, I was about to say, man, he must be a killer to do bonfires and let him tell stories. Uh-huh. Oh tell ghost stories and everything. Oh, man. I, I'd be uh. sitting there googly-eyed. Just. Yeah, man, that'd be uh-huh. amazing. Like the marshmallows making s'mores. S'mores. Uh-huh. We did it that, last night. That hot cocoa? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that hot cocoa? Uh-huh. <laughs> But hey, with that being said, Brad, thank you for joining us on the new episode of Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Let everybody in social media land know where they can find Bradley Harper at. Thank you very much, guys. It was a lot of fun. Where where, where they gonna find you at, Brad? Come on, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Hit him with I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. So my website is www.bharperauthor.com. and you can find me on Amazon. I've got a uh, an author page on Amazon as well. And if you find uh, Bradley uh, B. Bradley Harper author, Bradley Harper author on Facebook, uh, you can sign up for this uh, newsletter. We're also on, on my website. I do one newsletter a month because I'm lazy, and you don't want to hear from, <laughs> you don't want to hear from me that often anyway. Uh, <laughs> and I talk about, you know, I talk about my books, 
I talk about projects I'm working on. And, uh, you know, right now, the first book, A Knife in the Fog, is being pitched in Hollywood. Nice. Um, nice. fell in love with it, and he's trying to get a TV series deal. And my agency is reaching out to Emma Watson from, you know, the, the, right. the Harry Potter movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, what? She, uh, now- to, to read the book and, and put her, you know, her stamp of, of approval on the project saying she would, she would uh, go with it if it was offered to her. See, now I'm Bradley's boy, so I was already privy to that information. Ah, uh, okay. Just to let okay. y'all know. Oh, all right. okay. All right, <laughs> I mean, me and you been riding together, so yeah, all right, I like that. I like that. So we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah. I know that if it gets put into the right hands, it'll be something special. Thank you very much. We'll talk and, with uh, our people, Brad. Right. Yeah. Hey, we'll reach out. For we'll you. reach out the wheels. Let them know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Take care. Bye, Brad. Thanks again, man. Man, he was such a knowledgeable guest. Like, I'm happy that we finally had him up here, man. It's like, I I enjoyed that we talked about his books and whatnot, but I enjoyed more just talking about, like, the the I think I just enjoy him as a person. Yeah, 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 like, just, you know, Jack the Ripper and stuff. Like, I felt like Mm -hmm. I learned so much from this episode because, again, like I said... I didn't know that Jack the Ripper never got caught. I never knew exactly. that. Yeah, that's exactly. weird that you didn't. Yo, know you that. didn't. No, yeah, I, I never. I never. That's knew very that. weird. Another one. Um, Banks, like I mentioned on there, the the town that dreads sundown yeah. is a story about another guy, another killer who got away. That's they never crazy. found out who it was. Zodiac. Um, that was another the Zodiac killer. There's a yeah, bunch Zodiac of Zodiac killer. But I, yeah, like Trav, I'm mad that you didn't remember the guy that I was talking about from American Horror Story or whatever. Bro, I'm not gonna. I, I, Coven it was, was the, cool. a, the the Axeman, the actor that plays but him. When did is, Coven uh, come out? When bro, did that like, season come out? Uh, 20, 2013. 2014. Okay, 2013. Saying, man, that's a stretch, brother. But and I literally act- haven't seen it since. That's what but I'm saying. Okay, like. remember the guy who played uh, uh, what was his name in X Men Origins? Uh, the one that gave Wolverine the adamantium. I don't Williams, know his name. Well, William Stryker. William oh, Stryker. Okay. Oh, I the, thought you were talking about okay. the actor. The actor yeah. who played William Stryker, he played uh-huh. the Axeman in American Stryker. Horror Story Coven. They yeah. dropped the ball on Stryker, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, what a douchebag. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. a character, what a shitty person. Yeah. Dang, B. Hey, hey, chill, chill with the language, hey, man. Nah, that hey, one cut was... it. Hey, cut it, playboy. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. But hey, anyway, like I said, Learned good episode. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. D, let them know where they can find you at in social media land. That's going to be rebellious. Double underscore D23 at Instagram.com. Trav. Hey, that's right. Same place, Instagram. But you can find your boy at ZK Audio. And young young Benjamin, where they going to find you at? You can find me, your hero, Benjamin Banks, at KingBenji underscore Banks on Twitter and Instagram. You can look me up on Facebook at Benjamin Banks. I should be the first person to pop up. If not, I need to contact Mr. Zuckerberg. Make sure you follow all of the Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks social media accounts at Leveling Up Banks. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We have a Patreon. And if you are feeling generous and would love to donate to us, it is at Leveling Up Banks. Thank you to all of our patrons that have been donating to us and supporting us. We love all of you guys. Thanks, and guys. make sure... Make sure that you check out our YouTube where we have the interviews. Uh, this this interview will be up on Friday when the episode airs. And we have past interviews and we have reviews. We come out with videos every week. So uh, make sure you check us out. And that is at Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. 
thank you again for always checking us out. Thank you so much for supporting us. And we'll see you next time on Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Peace.